Our reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Yeah, I'm in the right place. Thank you. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Um, my name's Mark, for those of you who uh, might not know me. Um, and uh, I shall be talking this morning on the next Beatitude. So we're continuing our series in, um, in the Beatitudes. And we're looking at uh, Blessed Are the Merciful, or Blessed Are the Merciful, this morning. Um, so, so far in the series, we've looked at um, those who are poor in spirit, uh, those who mourn, uh, we've looked at the meek, and Mary spoke very powerfully last week on those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So today we consider the issue of mercy. Jesus preaches that blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. A simple enough statement, but what exactly is mercy? How do you define mercy? So now you've been building up for this, so this is your part now. Turn to your neighbor, have a chat, two minutes. How do you define mercy? Okay, so I wonder if you, what sort of ideas you've, um, you've come up with. I was actually at a, at a, um, a conference earlier this year where um, we were asked to interact with the speaker um, using our smartphones, of all things. 
So um, on the screen came a, came a QR code. I had no idea what one of those was, but it was a QR code. We had to look, point our phones at this QR code, and then we were all connected, as if by magic, to the speaker. Um, perhaps John or Mary could try this out on a Sunday morning, maybe, or maybe not, I don't know. Anyway, so the speaker asked us a question, um, and instead of shouting out answers, we typed them into our phones. And, and this word cloud appeared on the screen. I didn't even really know what a word cloud was 12 months ago until I started watching House of Games with, um, with Richard Osman on a, on a weekday, and they, he uses word clouds in one of his questions. But anyway, the more people that gave the same answer, the larger the word was on the screen. And the first question that he asked was, uh, was about problems with self-building. And the number one word was planning. That was the biggest single question. So I wonder if, I mean, if we did this exercise today about mercy, I wonder what our word cloud would look like. Maybe this is what it would look like. I wonder if these are elements of mercy that you recognize. There's tenderness, benevolence, kindness, grace, loving, compassion, sympathy, Kyrie eleison, which is Lord have mercy, pardon, clemency, forgiveness, blessing. All words that describe different aspects of mercy. And as I was thinking about this, um, this subject, thinking about this beatitude, I had to ask myself whether I was merciful. Do I exhibit these characteristics in my daily life? And I have to admit that often I feel very unmerciful towards people. People that I really should be feeling merciful towards. And society seems to be increasingly merciless, doesn't it? The whole emphasis in the media and, and parliament seems to be a making migrants a huge problem. There seems to be very little mercy shown towards people who make that very dangerous trip across the channel. The prevalence of homeless people on our streets is a bit embarrassing, really, isn't it? It's a bit awkward when we're walking through the city. Do we feel mercy towards them? Or we do we just sort of hurry past trying to avoid eye contact? It is interesting, isn't it, how during the first lockdown, um, space and money was found to house the vast majority of homeless people. Not anymore. The unemployed, or those incapable of work, those who are economically inactive, I think that's the, uh, the political term, also known as NEETS, uh, not in employment, education, or training. Do we just think that they're lazy? Just need to get on their bikes, 
go and find a job. People who ask for money in the street or at your front door. Do we actually stop and think about people who might need our charity? Or are they just an inconvenience? Do we just hope that they will go away? Do we dismiss them as quickly as we possibly can? Then there are people sort of staggering out of um, bars and nightclubs, uh, you know, in the early hours of the morning. Uh, I, do, I do accept that this is not a photograph of people staggering out of bars. This is, this is a very genteel sort of drinking session on a Sunday evening. I looked for photographs of people staggering out of bars, and, and they were not appropriate for a Sunday morning, I can tell you. So, so forgive me, this, this is the best I could come up with. But do they deserve all the trouble that they get into in their sort of drunkenness? Well, people like Keith and other street pastors here in Salisbury and in other towns and cities across the country certainly do not give up on them. They certainly feel that they deserve compassion, kindness. And, you know, the street pastors give up amazing amounts of time at very unsociable hours to show, to show mercy to these people. I could go on. But the fact is that our worldly values would suggest that strength without feeling is actually the default setting for us and what we should be striving for. Blessed are the merciful is actually countercultural in our upside down world. So let us look at an example of mercy and mercilessness the parable that was just read to us a few moments ago now Jesus here is telling the story of the unforgiving or unmerciful servant and he likens the kingdom of heaven to a king who wanted to settle accounts a man was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents or 10,000 bags of gold depending on, on the, um, the Bible you're reading and when I read this, I thought, well, 10,000-somethings, that seems quite a lot of money. But actually, when you dig a bit deeper, this man was in serious trouble. The size of the debt is ridiculous. And I'm sure that Jesus over-exaggerated the, uh, the numbers to make his point. I did the maths. So one talent is roughly equivalent to 20 years, 20 years of a day laborer's wages. So that means that his total debt, being 10,000 times 20, is 200,000 years of typical wages. Or in today's money, minimum wage, 10 pounds 42 an hour, 40 hours a week, 52 weeks of the year, 21,673 pounds 60 per annum, so one talent is £433,472. That's one talent. This man owed 10,000 talents, just over £4.3 billion. How can anybody get into so much debt? Did he buy a football club? But anyway, the point of the numbers is that it emphasises that the debt was unpayable. 
The consequences in those times were harsh, to say the least. This man faced being sold into slavery. Not only him, but his wife, his family, his children. Their lives, as they knew them, would have been over. They would have entered a sort of living death. And understandably, the servant who owed all this money was desperate. He falls to his knees, begs for his life. He asks for patience, which is a joke, really, when you think about it. He also states that he will pay back everything, which is, as everyone knows who was there, is impossible and also a joke. The numbers don't lie. So what does his master do? Well, he shows mercy. He takes pity on him and forgives his debt, not partially, but in full. Everything that this man owed was cancelled there and then. He and his family were set free from all obligations. He leaves the king a free man and a debt-free man. Now, this man was so grateful for the mercy that had been shown to him that he immediately went out and um, found the poor and needy of the district and invited them back to his house where they had, you know, a slap-up meal and he gave them all the sort of food that he had in the house and they just had an amazing evening together just praising God and thanking the king for all his mercy. No, of course he didn't. Of course he didn't. He found a fellow servant and note the word found. He didn't just bump into a servant on the way back. He found, he went to find this fellow servant. He demanded that his debt be paid in full. And his debt was 100 denarii, or 100 silver coins. And a denarius was a day's wages. £83.36 in today's money. £8,336, which in isolation is not an insignificant debt, you might think. But when you compare it to the £4.3 billion that the guy owed the king, totally trivial. And his fellow servant's reaction was exactly the same. Falling to his knees, he asked for more time. Instead of being shown mercy, though, the servant immediately throws him into prison. What a difference. But this callousness does not go unpunished. His fellow servants were outraged and informed on him. The king, his master, then not only sent him to prison, but to be tortured as well. The verse reads, until he should pay back all he owed, which would have meant for the rest of his life, which would probably have been quite short in all reality. So a sobering parable, one which describes the consequences of being unforgiving or unmerciless, sorry, or merciless. And if we're left in any doubt, Jesus concludes the story with these words. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. 
So how can we apply this, this parable to our lives in the context of the beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy? Well, I believe that the concept of mercy is fundamental to following Christ. Jesus teaches, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. That's in Luke's Gospel. But is mercy simply forgiveness? Or is it simply being kind and compassionate to someone when it is in your power to do otherwise? Or is it a deeper concept? I believe that mercy is more about identifying with people in need, understanding their circumstances, walking their walk, and blessing them in our compassion for them. Forgiveness alone is, is too simplistic, I think. I mean, why do we need to forgive someone in need? What have they done to us that requires forgiveness? But we can be merciful towards them, to seek to understand their situation and to get alongside them. In order Jesus himself walked alongside ordinary people, didn't he, when he was on this earth? People in need. Even those who did not believe they were in need, they were still in need. Jesus' life was one full of mercy. So in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 17, is those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. And Jesus is clear in his teaching, those that are merciful will be shown mercy. In the parable we've looked at, the master forgives a huge, unimaginable debt. God, like, our, like the master, has also forgiven us a huge debt, the debt of sin. And the penalty for sin? Death. And this forgiveness required the death of somebody, but the death of his own son. As 1 Corinthians verse 15, chapter 15, verse 3 states, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. So when we consider what God has forgiven us, what mercy he has shown us, how can we not show mercy to our fellow human beings? the people we meet on a day-to-day -day basis, the people we bump into. Acts of mercy show love. They demonstrate love. They are love in action. And the love works in two directions, doesn't it? It works out to the people that we show mercy to, but it also shows love towards God. But as I mentioned earlier, um, the way of the world is not very merciful. The rich continue to get richer, the poor, poorer in relative terms. Society, I believe, is, is far more unequal now than it was 50 or 60 years ago when I was growing up. There is not a lot of mercy being shown in Ukraine at the moment, is there? 
although I did read this week about um, an army chaplain who went behind the Russian lines to rescue the bodies of four Ukrainian soldiers that had been killed, brought them back out of the lines to give them to the bodies to their families for a, an honourable burial. If that's not showing mercy, I don't know what is. But generally speaking, in war, there is no mercy. The crews of the lifeboats, these are the crews, not the migrants, the crews of the lifeboats who bring the migrants ashore are often abused as they do so. The whole narrative around sort of channel crossings, I think, is, is, is completely without mercy at the moment. It, it, it's not always like this. Um, these are examples. Um, I mean, an example of someone who showed amazing mercy and compassion was, was um, a guy called Nicholas Winton. You may have heard of him just before the Second World War. Um, he arranged for 669 children, mostly Jewish, to be transported from Czechoslovakia to Britain and other countries under the noses of the Nazis. And if you ever want an example of a merciless regime, surely the Nazi regime was one. It was the epitome of strength without feeling. And Nicholas Winton and others, others like him were shining examples of mercy in action. And this is a photograph of him. He's the, with the one in the middle with all his children inverted commas around him. I think it's an amazing story. So what does mercy actually look like? Well, it's often associated with forgiveness, and although this is indeed a key component, so is action. Nicholas Winton took action and saved the lives of all those children. And we should also not just stand on the sidelines, offering advice and sympathy, but rather we should seize the initiative and seek to actively help others. Mercy is not just passive. It should be active. And if you look at some of the local, just the local charities that show mercy towards other people, people like the Salisbury Food Bank, people like Elabore, just two examples of, of charities that show mercy all the time to people around our city and, and in wider, wider parts of the country. And Jesus himself, he preached many sermons, including the Sermon on the Mount, but he also walked alongside people. He helped people. He showed mercy to people. So, finally, as I was, um, as I was preparing this, um, this talk this morning, there was one image which kept coming back into my mind. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get rid of it. All week, this, this one image kept coming back, and I thought, no, I can't use that. I can't use that. Well, anyway, I'm going to use it. Rob Burrow, you may have heard of him. He was an inspirational rugby league player. He played for Leeds Rhinos, England, and Great Britain. As a rugby player, he was tiny. Five foot five, less than 11 stone. He's pretty small, but for a rugby player, very small. And yet he was one of the most successful players ever in rugby league. And his great friend, both on and off the pitch, is a guy called Kevin, Shin Kevin Sinfield. 
also hugely successful as a rugby player and he's now the defence coach for the England Rugby Union team. Now, Rob was diagnosed with motor neurone disease in 2019. And since this diagnosis, Kevin, his friend, has worked tirelessly to raise funds and awareness for his friend and for the MND Association. He's done things like run seven marathons in seven days. Um, so what you say, 101 miles in 24 hours, seven uh, ultra marathons in seven days last year, as if seven marathons weren't enough. And so far, he's raised well over seven million pounds. See, the number seven keeps coming up. That's also to do with the rugby shirt, rugby shirt number. And these photographs are, um, sorry, it's, I find it quite moving, really are at the conclusion of a marathon that he ran last month, pushing his friend in his wheelchair the whole distance. And at the end, before the finishing line, he took Rob out of the wheelchair and carried him over the line. If this is not a beautiful picture of someone showing mercy, I don't know what is.